Welcome to It's Your Business Leader podcast. It's your business. Lead it. You need to deliver performance to your organization now. To do this, you need to ensure process efficiency, product quality, and employee engagement. What happens when you don't have this? Underperformance. If you're tired of getting excuses and not results, if you're tired of mediocre employees talking to me in game, but not backing it up with action, you're in the right place. My name is Ron Hurst, a leader with over 30 years of real-world operational experience backed by the best of engineering and developmental psychology, and my goal is simple. I want to help you achieve the performance your business is capable of. In this cast, Influence, the power tool of great leaders. It's a funny story. This is now going to be cast number 37, and... I remember when I was starting this podcast 36 episodes ago, I didn't think I'd ever run out of material. And then over the last month or so, I found myself going, man, what do I want to talk about? What is a topic that I'm passionate about that I think that you will benefit from? And I got to admit, I mean, as my calendar got more full and there were more pressures on my time, I found it a little bit more difficult to find a cast that I really wanted to record. And then something broke loose last week. recorded a cast that didn't really fit anywhere except as part of a series. And I I took a step back yesterday and today, and I realized even what the series was. The series is on influence. I have not really done a, a proper job of what is arguably the most important tool in the leader's arsenal, influence. So I'm really excited because as I sat down this morning and started figuring out what do I want to say about influence, casts just started popping out of my head. In fact, by the time I was done, I think I had a full 24. And I don't know if you you realize, since I'm doing one a week, uh, 24 is like six months worth of casts. Now, I'm not going to do all six months all at once, as my wife said. I mean, if this were a sermon series at a church, you'd all be asleep. No, we're going to do it in sections. We're going to do a foundational section. We're going to do a psychological section. We're going to do a logical section and then an advanced section. And I'm going to put other casts in between because I just want to have fun and add some value in different areas. But I really want to dig in to this thing called influence and give you a perspective on how I look at it. Because I'll tell you what, I have been a student of leadership for close to 30 years. And it started for me in a very strange way. I mean, my mom told me when I was a little boy, if you think you can do better, then put up or shut up. But if if you're not sure, then don't badmouth anyone else. Now, she had it a little more clearly than that, but that's really what I heard. So if you want to criticize someone, then you better put your hand up and be willing to show that you can do it better or you don't have the right to criticize. That wasn't much on criticizing, but I was much on proving that I could do it better. And that has been the trajectory of my career. When I worked for a supervisor and I found him to be a little bit uh, hashtag mediocre, I put my hand up and I became a supervisor. And I worked for a manager. And when I found out that he wasn't much of a leader, I put my hand up and became a manager and so on and so forth throughout my whole career until I finally resigned and started developing leaders so I could focus on helping you, help you become the leader you were intended to be. So this has been my journey. Now, am I trying to be critical of others? No, I'm simply saying I want to do 
better. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to give. I want to help others succeed. So that's what this, this series is about influence. My favorite toolkit of all of the leadership tools. I mean, we can talk about communication. We can talk about relationship building. But man, influence, that revs me up. So let's start out. I want to share a couple of things. First of all, there's one thing that I've said. I remember saying this in a leadership class many years ago, and I thought, whoa, that's actually pretty good. I don't quote myself often, but there is one quote that I want you to keep in mind because it will bring some, some perspective to everything we're going to talk about, and that is this. The self-aware leader has the advantage in every engagement. Now, what's that got to do with Influence, because it sounds like it's all about self-awareness. Well, yes, you're right. It is. It's both. You see, the point is, when you're self-aware, influence becomes a toolkit that you have access to. How many times in your career or in the career of others have you been in a discussion with someone else about what you want versus what they want, and it's at odds, and you end up in this, this place of, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree, if you've ever been there, then you know what I'm talking about. This is not influence. That is operating from a low level of self-awareness, arguing for your point of view, not really knowing how to convince the other person to see it differently, and they don't know how to do it either, so we just end up butting heads. It's kind of like those two rams in the Neutral of Omaha commercials where they just go, yeah, boom, and they bat heads. That's not influence. That's not leadership. That is hashtag stupid. We need to get you the skill set necessary so that you can be an effective leader because you're influencing outcomes. The self-aware leader has the advantage in every engagement. If what you're doing is not working, change it up. Try something different. Come at it from another angle. That's the point of why that quote is so powerful because most people are walking through life, sleepwalking through life, half awake, and they're just doing the same old thing expecting to get a different result, basically walking the definition of insanity through their leadership career. We're not going to be there. We're going to practice some skills. So self-aware leader has the advantage in every engagement. Now, when I think about the word influence, let's talk about what the heck does that mean? And my favorite way of saying it, just a very simple way. I know they're all kind of academic ways. I don't care about that. I care about practical. My favorite definition of influence is this. Convincing someone else to do what I want them to do because they think it's a good idea. Now, if somebody thinks my idea is a good, good idea to do, um, I don't need to supervise them anymore. They're going to get the right thing done at the right time because they understand it and they understand why it's important. So how do we get there from here? Now, that is the, the million-dollar question is how do you get so influential that people do what you believe is the right thing to do for your organization. And make no mistake, you have to have character in this thing. If you lack integrity, if you're a hypocrite, influence isn't going to work for you. So get right in the character, okay? Let's just keep that in mind because all influence is built on character. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. So the definition of influence, somebody else doing what I want them to do because they think it's a good idea. I love that definition. So look, I'm going to take a step back. My journey into leadership influence has been a long and kind of torturous one that I didn't know how to do any of this, guys. I mean, I've told you in previous casts that emotional intelligence was not me when I was coming out of engineering school. I had to learn it the hard way. I had to learn it by clawing and scratching my way into awareness and 
relationship development, it, oh, it was just this, this really painful journey. But when I started to get good enough at emotional intelligence, all of a sudden this new challenge loomed in front of me like, like the Matterhorn or something. I'm staring up at this rock face going, how the heck do I climb that? Well, welcome to the challenge of influence. And the good news is that if you will commit yourself to learning an influence and influence strategy and practicing it and mastering it and then picking another one and practicing it and mastering it and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, eventually you will become excellent at influence. Early on in my journey, I had the pleasure of reading Dr. Stephen Covey's book, Principle-Centered Leadership. There is a chapter in that book that he calls The 30 Methods of Influence. I have read that chapter, I've got to say, 20 or 30 times. I have taught it probably 50 times. And the beautiful thing about this list is that it's just this beautiful set of ideals and, and principles to live your life by, whereby you become more influential. I love Dr. Stephen Covey. I, he's one of my, my virtual mentors, and I know he passed away several years ago, but he's still one of my virtual mentors because his thinking is memorialized in all of his books, and I love to go back and reread his books. So think about how influential he is if here's this guy reading his books long after he's even dead. That's the beauty of influence. It lives on beyond us. Now, Covey's methods were all principles. And the funny thing about that is he really didn't, Covey had, I think, a bit of a blind spot in that he didn't know the how-to. He would tell you what the principles were and live from the principle. I'm like, well, that's nice, buddy. Live the law of the farm, yeah. You gotta, you gotta plant and then you gotta water and you gotta weed before you can ever harvest. You can't cram it all into late September and expect to, to harvest a crop in the next day. It just doesn't work. So Stephen Covey, he's principle-based, but he really didn't focus that much on the how-to. That's one of the things that I love to do. I love Because I love to figure it out, I'm going to teach you how to influence people. So my journey, it's been long. There are several books that I've read that I quite like, but they really don't get into the how-to. So that's what we're really going to focus on is the how-to of influence. In this cast, I want to take on something that comes from Aristotle, from ancient Greece, probably the father of arguments and influence and what he said is that there are three core aspects of an influential argument. The first is ethos. The second is logos. The third is pathos. And you may recall that, I, that my guest a few weeks ago, Eduardo Placer, he came on, he talked about this same model. I want to come back to it because of the power of this model in basic levels of influence. The first step is ethos. We must be a person of absolutely impeccable character. You must keep your word. You must have integrity. Don't tell a lie. Just do the things that allow other people to view you as someone that can be respected and trusted. Do not ever violate that standard because without ethos, you will never, I mean never, truly be influential in the context of leadership. Ethos is non-negotiable. It is the absolute bedrock of an effective leader. Then we think about logos. If you want to convince someone to come in your direction, you need a logical argument. You need to have 
know, have an argument that's supported by fact and data that is compelling and complete. It shows from the hypothesis all the way through to the data, the analysis, the conclusions, and the recommended action based on the conclusions. And if you can't put a logical argument in front of someone, chances are they're gonna look at you and go, um, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Where's your data? What did your analysis actually show? And this is the funniest thing about social media today is how many people are out there making ridiculous claims with basically no logos behind it at all. Just an opinion, like, oh my gosh, opinions. Everybody's got one, right? But not all of them are useful. So we need to have a logical argument. We need to build an argument based on a person of sound character. But then there comes the pathos part, and pathos is about emotion. And the best way to think about that word emotion is E for energy, and then motion. Energy in motion. I love the thinking about emotion that way, because as a human, as an emotional creature, emotions are what prompt us into action. So when you're thinking about making an influential argument to someone, the first thing that we should be thinking about is, all right, let's make sure that my character's sound. The second thing we're thinking about is, let's pr pr put together a logical argument that will withstand the scrutiny and the criticism of others. And then the final thing is an emotional plea to action. Because the simple fact of the matter is that if you are a person of sound character and impeccable logic, someone can passively agree with you and never take action based on it because they don't see a need to take action on it. It's our emotions that prompt us to act. So what we need to do is put a compelling emotional argument in a reason why should that person do the thing that you're trying to convince them to do. And if you do that, you'll find that this is the first and the oldest technique of influence. Ethos, logos, pathos. So where are we gonna go? In our next section, we're going to dig into the foundational level. I'm going to talk about my favorite idea of yes and. We'll talk about how listening is the foundation of all influence and because it builds trust. And trust is this, this non-negotiable standard. If you really want to influence somebody, they, they need to be able to trust you. We'll also talk about a couple of other techniques that I'm really fond of. One is teach me your process. If, you can, if I can be open enough to your influence where I allow you to teach me what you're thinking, I gain a tremendous amount of influence with you because when we listen to one another, we open ourselves up to a deeper level of conversation. And there are a couple of other techniques that will build into this foundational level that I hope will be powerful for you and that you'll practice. We're gonna incorporate an interview at the end of each section as well. I thought that'd be kind of fun to bring in some external views. And one thing I want you to start thinking about is, as you're listening to this cast, what questions are coming to mind for you? I want you to send me those questions so that I, every now and again, we can do a question cast where I answer some of the things that you're wondering about as you're listening to this conversation. So that's it for now. In our Who Does What By When section, I'm suggesting that you spend a few minutes, the next time you want to convince someone to do something, Think about, where's my character? Is there anything I need to do to shore it up? And my gosh, shore it up now. Do not wait. Do not pass go. Do not collect the $200. Just get it done 
now. It's so critical. Then think about a logical argument. Think about your hypothesis, the data, the analysis, the conclusion, and the recommendation, and put it together in a tight little package. And then think about why and why should the other person care? Like, so what? What is the emotional trigger that might help them to want to come with you? And it's got to be something that's relevant and important and emotional to them, not to you, to them. So that's our who does what by when. Try and craft an argument using Aristotle's ethos, logos, pathos model. And we'll see you on the next cast. All right, everyone. Now you have your action items. I'm excited to hear from you on how what you learned today works for you. Be sure to connect with me at www.developingleadersinc.com and brief us on how the action items work for you. If you need immediate support, schedule a strategy call with me and let's build a plan together on how to get you the results you need. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next episode, get out there and lead your business.